When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is Mark Schaefer, author of The Tao of Twitter, changing your life and business one connection at a time. And you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, which is also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And marketingbookpodcast.com is also where you can send me a message with any comments, suggestions, or recommendations for the show. I love hearing from listeners like you from around the world. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. I respond to every single message I get from listeners, so please introduce yourself. And now, on with the show. Today, we welcome Mark Schaefer back to the Marketing Book Podcast for the fourth time to talk about his revised and expanded fourth edition of the Tao of Twitter, changing your life and business one connection at a time. And a bit later, we'll tell you how you, yes, you, the listener, can win a copy of this book. Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized speaker, educator, business consultant, and author who blogs at businessesgrow.com, one of the top marketing blogs in the world and one of my very favorites. Mark has worked in global sales, PR, and marketing positions for more than 30 years and now provides consulting services via his firm, Schaefer Marketing Solutions. He specializes in social media training, and clients include both startups and global brands like Dell, Johnson & Johnson, Adidas, and the United States Air Force. Mark is also a faculty member of the Graduate Studies Program at Rutgers University. One of Mark's career highlights that will be of great interest to listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast was studying under Peter Drucker while getting his MBA. He is the author of five other best-selling books, Social Media Explained, Return on Influence, Born to Blog, The Content Code, and Known. Mark, congratulations on the revised and expanded fourth edition of the Tao of Twitter, and welcome back for the fourth time to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much. And you know, this is, I mean, look, this means a lot to me because it's like, I'm like the Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live. You know, there's a little competition about who has been the host the most on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, I know 
I'm the first person you've had on the show four times, and I, it, it means something to me. I want to I want to wear that crown for as long as I can. Yes, and not only are you the first and only member of the Marketing Book Podcast Guest Four Timers Club, this is the 150th episode <gasps> of the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, it means a lot to me to have you here starting the Four Timers Club, and it's the 150th episode. For the hundredth episode, I had Philip Kotler. I, well, I remember that episode. That was that was one of my favorite podcast episodes of any podcast ever. Yeah. And you know, I had him back on not too long ago where I interviewed him about his autobiography, which for me, I mean, like you studied under Peter Drucker, me being able to interview him twice was, I think, a somewhat similar experience. And on the, on the autobiography episode, we talked about Peter Drucker. Yes. So now I should say that you were also the first and only member of the Marketing Book Podcast Three Timers Club. And, you know, once again, you know, you're, you're uncharted waters, but you were later followed by Joe yeah. Polizzi, David Merriman Scott, and Dory Clark. They're, they're members. They're still That's members. A good group. Of, yo, yeah. They're still members in good standing of the Three Timers Club. So, oh, well, shoot. Dory has a new book out. Yeah. I, I interviewed her about that. Okay, so that made her in the three. Yeah, she got in the three timers club. Okay, yeah. so I'm still ahead. Yeah, that's right. You're very competitive, and and don't go changing. No, it's it's just I'm you know I'm I'm proud. Look, this is a great great podcast you have here, and to be on it four times is amazing for me. So thank you. Well, my pleasure. And I ran into David Merman Scott actually at the inbound conference not too long ago, and we were joking about the three timers club. And I said, well, you know, Mark Schaefer's coming up with number four, and I could just see him thinking, yep. All right, I got that. I <laughs> He's written 10 books, so. He's in my dust. No. <laughs> love you. Love you, David. Talk about social media and you teach at Rutgers. Are you sure your name isn't Neil Schaefer? Well, yeah. Neil Schaefer, he's been another guest on the podcast, yeah. Maximize Your Social, and he teaches at Rutgers and his name is Schaefer. So I'm starting to wonder if, is that, are those the criterion they have for being a professor there is, You've written a book about social media. Your name is Schaefer, and you've been on the Marketing Book Podcast. Is that... And and the guy that runs the program, his name is Joe Schaefer. <laughs> okay. I'm not kidding. Wow. Okay. We'll see yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, look, Neil is an amazing guy. He really is. And I love his book. I love his content. And and he's got a new book coming out about... He does. Influence. Influence. And it is, it's an important book. Because I wrote the first book on influence marketing back in 2012, but that was at a time when influence marketing, I mean, people didn't even use those terms. So it was it was a breakthrough idea. It was a breakthrough book. And I predicted that this would become a mainstream trend, and it has. But there's never been a follow-up book to really teach people how. And that's why I'm, I'm excited about Neil's book. Yeah. Well, with any luck, I'll have him back on the podcast. I'm, I'm excited, and I've seen what the cover looks like. So let's get into the Tao of Twitter. Now, this is the fourth edition. So can you explain the the journey this book has gone on to get started? Well, it's, it's I think it's interesting and, and unique, and there's some lessons behind really how the book got published that I think a lot of people would be interested in. So when I was starting out, you know, I was creating content and blogging and starting out in marketing just like everybody else. And my blog started to catch on and some traditional publishers started to approach me about, you know, possibly writing a book. So I had an idea about writing a human-centered book about Twitter. Now, back in 2009, 2010, I mean, Twitter was huge, growing, you know, just exploding on the scene. 
But the books that had been out there about Twitter were very, I would say, geeky. They were, they were focused on the on the hashtags and the mentions and the, and the technology. The yeah, and, the, and it took me six months to really figure Twitter out. And, and, and once I did figure it out, I realized that it's, it's the most human-driven platform. It was an epiphany. And I was so excited about the potential of Twitter. And I, I just, I didn't want people to struggle for six months like I did. I wanted to write a little book that people could read, you know, get a couple hours and get it. Well, the book publishers, they didn't want a little book. They wanted a 240-page book so that they could get a, a price point. I said, no, no, no. There's no way I'm writing a 240-page book about Twitter. That's not my idea. So I decided to self-publish. Now, self-publishing that book, it became the best-selling book on Twitter. Self-published. And this is when self-publishing was very new. So this was kind of a bold breakthrough, really, for self-publishing. Now, I had McGraw-Hill's attention. I had already written Return on Influence. That was a big success. And they said, we were wrong. We want that little book. So I sold the rights to Return on Influence to McGraw-Hill. They published it in 2012. We did another edition in 2014. You're talking about the, you sold the rights to Tao of Twitter. To Tao. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. So I went from self-publishing back into the traditional publishing world. Now let's look what's happening. 2016. It's time for another update. The last book is two, three years old. A lot, of, a lot has changed in Twitter. They said, we, you know, the traditional publishing industry is in trouble. Business books just aren't selling like they used to. We're kind of winding down our business book division. We don't really see us publishing another update to this book. Now, this book is an important part of my brand. It's a beloved book. You know, thousands and thousands of people I love, I get messages from people all around the world every week saying, thank you for writing this book. It's helped me so much with Twitter. And now my intellectual property, my book, my brand is in the hands of a publisher saying, we're going to let it die. So for more than a year, I worked with McGraw-Hill to get those rights back. And it took two years once you get through all the legal stuff and everything, it took me two years, almost two years to get those rights back. And basically, Doug, I just wore them down. <laughs> Good for you. I said, I'm coming to New York. I want to have another meeting. You know, it, when someone would send me a nice note about the book, I'd send that to the editor. I'd say, see, we need to do something. Help me. So I got the rights back. Now I've self-published. And now that I've, I have the rights and I can self-publish, Doug, I now have the freedom to change that book as much as I want, as often as I want, without those restrictions. So th there's some great lessons there. Number one, about the state of the publishing industry. Number two, the empowerment that we have today, that you don't need to be picked by a publisher. If you have an idea for a book, you can pick yourself. Yeah, very interesting. It kind of points to the whole issue of content where you don't have to go through a gatekeeper anymore. You can publish right to the people that, that would be interested in hearing from you. Well, Mark, so Twitter seems to be 
you know, in the news for some of the wrong reasons. And, you know, people are saying, <laughs> is Twitter is Twitter still going to be around? What's going to happen? Is somebody going to buy it? I, I mean, I just read recently another article about, you know, Twitter seems to be making every decision wrong. But mm-hmm. why, given that, why did you decide to, to update and write the book about Twitter now when it seems that they are, their future is not clear? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. In fact, I think it it was the most important question for me to struggle with. Twitter is a lot different today than it was when the first edition of this book came out in 2010. And I had to really get back down into the weeds on Twitter and see what is this about today? How is it relevant? Where is it relevant? How are people using it today? And I've been kind of in the same marketing world as you, where you've got the financial people saying, we're not bullish on Twitter because they don't have the user growth that Facebook has. There's kind of the marketing people that say, oh, Twitter is just a broadcast channel. You know, I just don't get engagement there like I used to. And then I got down in the weeds. And I looked at how does the world use Twitter? And what I found was absolutely stunning and inspiring and really profound. Twitter has 350 million active users. And for millions and millions of people around the world, Twitter is part of the fabric of their life. They love it. That's where they get their news. That's where they learn. That's where they collaborate. That's they're creating new ideas. It's it's an amazing place to have fun. And when you get past these really artificial obstacles we've set up around this, you know, we have this mindset of what marketers think about Twitter or what you know Wall Street thinks about Twitter, and you look at what's really happening there, it just blew me away. <laughs> In fact. It's more fun than ever. And you're right. Twitter has made a lot of management missteps, and they continue to do so. But it doesn't seem to matter (laughs) because the people – I mean, the the best things about Twitter have nothing to do with the corporate office in San Francisco. Right, and that that reminds me of what you said earlier. You said Twitter is the most human-powered it is network. It's like the idea of hashtags. That never came from yeah. Twitter. It didn't come from Twitter. It came from Twitter, users. Twitter chats. Th- that's one of the most amazing things on Twitter. It wasn't invented by Twitter. <laughs> right. It was invented by people. Yeah. It's just like, hey, if you really want to see the power, the beauty, the incredible impact that Twitter's having on the world, look, people in San Francisco headquarters, step aside. Get out of Let your the, way. Get out of your way. They don't even realize what what Twitter is is about these days. I'm convinced. They're so they're they're so focused on trying to appease Wall Street in some way. And you know, I'm not saying that's that's totally misdirected because if they don't make it financially, you know, it's, it's not going to make it for anybody. But if you just look at what is really going on, the it's 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 I can't, there's no other way to say it, but it is part of our culture today. Yeah, I, I would it's, miss it's it. It's part of popular culture. 
I mean, you just think about the importance of Twitter to journalism. It's irreplaceable, irreplaceable. If you think about how how Twitter makes or breaks people's lives on a television show like The Voice, you know, you're voting for people's careers on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll also be watching the news or the sports or something, and they're always putting up like a tweet from somebody. And I always say to myself, you know, that when the news industry has to put up a tweet, Yes. It, they die a little bit inside because they used to be the ones that yeah. would have that information first. The tweet is the news. Yes, that's right. It is. And 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 more and more that's the case and as the budgets get slashed in traditional n- news outlets, reporters and editors increasingly have to turn to Twitter to find the quotes, the people, the sources, the photos, the videos of, of what's going on. We had this profound tragedy recently of the shootings in Las Vegas. And, you know, everything we saw came from Twitter. You know, all the footage from the ground came from Twitter. And that is the real-time human-powered network today. There's, there's, There's nothing like it. And that's why it's powerful. That's why it's important. And that's why we need to understand it. And we need to cut through the negative, the negativity about Twitter, and look at what are the opportunities for us as individuals and also for businesses. Yeah, so let me ask you then, explain what the business benefits of Twitter are. Well, there's just there's just so many, but and I've got a an entire chapter. I think it's the longest chapter in the book, actually, talking about the business benefits of, of Twitter. But let me just name... Two that I think are really interesting to me. Because I get the question from business owners, Yeah, should I even be on Twitter? Oh, of course. That's who I'm thinking of here. That's right. Because, I mean, I I think there's a lot of misinterpretation and misdirection. So let me uh, recount uh, one of the examples I put in in the book. I was working with this real estate mogul in Toronto. And... He said, oh, I've given up on Twitter. I think Twitter is just a wall of noise. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I said, oh, okay. And let's do a little experiment. Let's go into the Twitter advanced search function. Oh, what, what, what do you mean advanced search? Oh, yeah, there's a Twitter advanced search function. Let's go in there and let's put in the words moving to Toronto and see what we can find. And we found that something like in a 24-hour period, there were 36 tweets saying, I'm moving to Toronto. I said, each of those tweets could be a business lead for you. These are people that they probably don't know a real estate agent. They probably don't really know what they're getting into in Toronto. What if you responded to those tweets, not in a creepy way, but in a helpful way? What if you created a piece of content that said it's like the neighborhood guide to Toronto or the guide to the Toronto transportation system or the education system, something that someone moving to Toronto would find helpful. You created this free little guide and you you responded to these tweets. And I said, said, hey, I see you're moving to Toronto. 
this might be helpful to you. And the last page in this guide is your contact information. Now, you can save that search. And the person said, oh, really? You can save a search like that? Yeah, you can save a search. And you can look at it every day. Those are leads coming to your business. And, and there's, just so, there's just so many conversations going on on Twitter about people who need you, or maybe they don't know they need you, but they're talking about problems that they're having or concerns that they have. So that's the first idea. Yeah, and you said advanced search function on Twitter is your favorite part of Twitter. And it seems oh. like if you can just get somebody to taste that wine, they're going to they're gonna want more of it. Well, it's, it, I think it's the most powerful free marketing tool on earth. And it's probably the least known. <laughs> and if you could just start mastering, because there's no other platform that gives you those real-time conversations. Most of the conversations on Facebook are private among family and friends. You can't really tap into that easily. There's not a lot of socialization going on on LinkedIn. YouTube videos, you can't really mine those conversations. And I mean, people people watch a video, they might leave a comment, but there's not really a conversation going on. Basically, the world's real-time conversations are going on on Twitter. And that's where you need to you, you, you need to put your ear to the ground. And it's not comprehensive. Not everybody's on Twitter. It's it's so there are limitations, but for the stuff that is going on on Twitter, it's pretty good and it's free. So why not connect and figure it out? And to add to that, tweets get responded to more more than some cold email. If somebody's listening to you and, and hears that, you know, that's pretty powerful. And that even, you know, you talk a bit about this concept of social selling, how Twitter can be used for real-time listening and, and reaching out to people you might be able to help, just like you talked about with that real estate mogul. But let me ask you another question. I'm thinking of that business owner. And you said that if you only look at ROI in in marketing or Twitter, you're going to miss the bigger picture and you're going to be left in the dust by smarter competitors. How are companies missing big opportunities by not doing something because they can't make a direct and almost immediate connection with ROI? Well, and I, and I want to kind of put a, put a buffer around my, my statement, my answer to your question in that, number one, you need to measure and you need to connect to revenue sales ROI whenever you can. Now, here is the business reality. Increasingly, the things that are dri really driving marketing today, things like engagement and conversations and referrals from, from influencers and user-generated content, increasingly, those drivers are becoming difficult to connect to real sales and ROI. But that doesn't mean it's not important. It's vitally important. And so we need to look at different measurement options. And one of the things I suggest in the book is you need to be aware of qualitative measures versus quantitative. So what do I mean by that? A quantitative measure is something that you can easily document and count. 
like a lead, like a dollar figure, all right? And traditionally, that's how our businesses have been built. But we're now we're moving into this hazy new world. And you've got to look at other signs that things are working. You just have to. And that sign might be a qualitative measure like I have a new employee because they learn about me on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. I was able to solve a business problem because I posted a question on Twitter and I received an answer, the right answer within moments. What's the ROI of that? I have no idea. I could drive myself crazy trying to figure it out. And, but that is a qualitative measure. Yeah, that it we, seems like we, the we, mistake is that they think, well, if I don't have a quantitative measure, I'm not even going to consider it. And, and again, you know, this is, this is, I'm kind of wrapping my answer in this, in this caveat, which is, I mean, we do have a responsibility to try to drive sales, ROI, and those quantifiable measures whenever we can. But when we can't, you've got to open your mind to the other possibilities. You just have to in this marketing world, mm-hmm. or you're gonna, or you're, you're, or you're just going to, to miss what's going on. And if your competitors understand it and you don't, they're going to zoom past you. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, in the book, you kind of have this this three part explanation of what makes Twitter so special and Mm -hmm. so effective. And it's, you know, targeted connections, meaningful content, and authentic helpfulness, which is easy to say, but seems to be very difficult for companies to do. Uh, As it relates to targeted connections, one of my favorite lines is you said, networking doesn't occur by chance in the traditional business world, and it doesn't occur by chance alone on the social web either. Explain how you can be very intentional about getting targeted connections on Twitter. Well, it's, you know, I think a a big theme in my writing these days is this idea of remembering the humanity that we need to bring to marketing. A concern I have is that we're starting to go down into this hole where we're listening to ourselves of what is a marketing best practice and forgetting that these are not targets, they're people. And I'm I'm just seeing this over and over again. And we're starting to get into what we think are marketing best practices. Like, Like we have this fancy word, lead nurturing, which is another kind word of saying, we're just going to keep bothering you with emails until you do something. That's not how you should treat people. And I think the the most human companies will win. That demands a different lens to our marketing that what many may be saying is a best practice today. And it's a bit of a risk because I think it goes against the grain of what some people are thinking are best practices. And I think if we, if we think about how do we network with people in the real world and apply that to our online presence, we'll win instead of focusing on you know building an email list. And I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But how we do it and how we network 
in the real life, you build a relationship by connecting to people in an authentic way, by, by helping them, by listening to them, not by giving an offer or saying, oh, before I talk to you, I want your email address. You don't do that in the real world. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people are different online? They're not. They're just not. And, and instead of connecting to people through a human lens, we're connected to them in a marketing lens that people don't trust. They don't want it. They don't trust it. They don't like it. And yet that's a best practice. Come on. And I, and I think those, those are the things we need to keep in mind when we're connecting to people on Twitter too. Twitter is the human-driven network. And the reason people are down on Twitter, here, you know, one guy said to me, uh, you know, I've given up on Twitter. I've marketed and marketed and marketed, and I haven't gotten any results. And I said, that's the problem. What if someone came to you and marketed and marketed and marketed to you? You just want them to go away. Why is Twitter different? It's not. The big mistake you're making is your marketing. Yeah. And when you talked about that in the book, I, all I could think of was a recent dinner I was at, and I ended up sitting across from this guy who, for two hours, talked about his favorite topic, which was himself. <laughs> and then about two days later, I read that page of yours, and I said, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, you go on and talk about these people who say, I marketed, 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 and I, I'm not getting any response. So it's like... The, the human part is right there in front of us, and the, that's the one part that, that people are, are missing. Now, the second part is what you say, meaningful content. And I just wanted to mention that, you know, everybody reads a book differently and takes something away from it. And for me, in reading this, the most important takeaway I had was the use of the word meaningful before content. And I've started using it, and it gets people thinking like, well, is that meaningful? Is that meaningful? And yes. you explain that content is the currency of the, of the social web, but I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about how you came to start using that term meaningful content, because I found that to be a helpful shortcut where even companies are thinking, is this really, no, this probably isn't meaningful because it's all about us. Right. Well, that's a word I chose very carefully. And it's a word that I've been using in my writing since 2010. When I first, I left the corporate world and started my own business. I started teaching. I started consulting and writing. And, and as I looked at what is the path, and that's what Tao means. It, it's a Chinese word that means path. And, of course, the correct pronunciation is Tao. But, I mean, a lot of people pronounce it as Tao, and that's perfectly fine. But the path I realized was this idea of you know, connecting with the right people, providing something that's meaningful to them, and in this world that means content, and then doing it in an authentic, helpful way, not in a just helpful way, because people can sniff out a fake. You've really got to be genuine in how you help people. And you know, Doug, it's amazing that these are the words I started using in 2010, and it's more important today than ever. I mean, that, that absolutely is the path. And the word meaningful is so important, I think, because you have to twist. You have to twist your intent to be customer-centered, not you-centered. 
And that's how we got into this, you know, my whole little rant here about, you know, marketing best practices today, that it, that it can't be you centered. Nobody cares. What people care about today is, you know, how can I have a happier life? How can I have a healthier life? How can I have a little more fun today? How can I make some money? How can I save some money? That's what they care about. They don't care about your new line of ball bearings. They just don't. They don't care that you just gave a United Way check to you know help fund a new sewer system. They really, I mean, they're so busy and there's so much competition in the content world today. You've got to create meaningful content and that means meaningful to them, not you. And that is the center of winning on social media today, in content marketing today. And it seems so obvious, but it's missed by almost everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm hearing the word empathy being used more, and I think that it's a good thing. But when I say meaningful, I think people are able to understand that even more quickly. Is this truly meaningful? And that applies to all aspects of, of the marketing. Now, to continue the trilogy here, authentic helpfulness. And you said that that's an extremely important and subtle difference that distinguishes traditional sales and marketing from new media. Explain what you mean there. Well, I'll give you a very real example from my world, something we kind of, we talked a little bit about before we went on the air, where I am a, I'm a big fan of BMW cars. And so they've automated their sales process. They've automated their marketing process. So when it's time to get a um, new lease on a car, I got this email stream. They set up my appointment. So it seemed like it was really helpful. It seemed like they were paying attention to me. They saw what my needs were. They saw how many miles were on my car and they saw my lease was almost over and they set up an appointment that was convenient to me. And when I got to the dealership, the person I was supposed to meet with wasn't there. It was his day off. So we had this stream of what seemed like helpful marketing. But when I got there, I learned that the salesperson didn't even know those emails had gone out. They were all auto-generated. No one in the dealership even knew I was coming in that day. And I'm a 20-year customer of this dealership. Someone should have been waiting for me there with balloons and a cup of coffee. And and so that began this very painful process where I had to show the sales manager these emails that I received, including a specific offer on a lease he was completely unaware of. That really shows the difference, doesn't it, Doug, Mm -hmm. about helpfulness and authentic helpfulness. It appeared they were being helpful, but it wasn't genuine. It wasn't human. Nobody cared, really. The only person that cared with some algorithm in a computer. That's not what I deserve. That's not what anybody deserves. So that's why I added this word authentic helpfulness. Because if you're not authentic and you're just, you know, following a script, you are, you know, you're destined to lose. 
So again, I steal something from every one of these books, but you know, when we're producing content for a client or I trying to help some other company or whatever, you know, you ask yourself, is this meaningful content and is it authentically helpful? Just pause for a moment to think about the person on the other end, because even that part often doesn't seem to happen. And you mentioned, as it relates to authentic helpfulness, that you, I think when you were writing Return on Influence, you interviewed Dr. Robert Cialdini. Oh, one of my favorite guys. Yeah, he he's the author of Influence. Persuasion, yeah, Persuasion yeah. is his new book. Yeah, and, and he wrote Influence, The Psychology of yeah. Persuasion in 1984, which is the number one selling business book on Amazon. It's, it's, a, it's a seminal work. Yeah. And I actually, I actually got to meet him for the first time in March at South by Southwest. And um, we, had, we had known each other and corresponded with each other for years. And it was just so wonderful to meet him face to face. Yeah. And I got to interview him about persuasion, which for me was like a Philip Kotler moment, you know, <laughs> being oh, able absolutely. to talk to him. But mm-hmm. you, you asked him a question about how in a world of increasing content, information density, how is it possible for a company to stand out? And you said his answer was simple and profound, be more human. Yeah. It's something he told me. Uh, I, I did that interview in 2011. And that those are the words I use to end almost every one of my university classes, almost every one of my speeches, no matter where I am in the world, because I think that's the killer app. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what the next Facebook is or how technology changes or what Amazon does or what Google does, if you run your business through that filter, how can we be more human in every engagement in every response, in every email, in every piece of content. That is what should be driving our marketing. That is what is in the deepest part of our heart. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be respected. We want to be loved ultimately. So when I get an automated email from the BMW dealership and then I walk in and I'm disappointed They're not fulfilling that promise, and it's so simple to correct. They are not viewing their marketing through a be more human lens. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the the, the car brand that does will win. Here, here. Now, Mark, at the top of the show, I mentioned how listeners can win a copy of the fourth edition of the Tao of Twitter. Can you explain how the listeners can do it? Well, you know, I, I just love your podcast so much and so honored to be on and to celebrate this and really just to connect with your listeners and reward your listeners. Now, I'd like to give away a few of my books. So if you're listening to this episode, send me a tweet. It's at Mark W. Schaefer. Mention at Marketing Book and use the hashtag Tao Twitter. The first five tweets that I see, I'll connect with you. I'll get your contact details, and I'll send you a copy of my new book. Terrific. So it's Mark, M-A-R-K-W-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R. You should follow right. him on Twitter anyway. My handle is Marketing Book, and we want to see the hashtag Tao of Twitter, T-A-O-O-F-T-W-I-T-T-E-R. 
So good luck to the listeners. So, Mark, if readers took only one thing away from this book, which I know is not a fair question, what would you hope it would be? It would be to rediscover Twitter, break through the marketing myths about Twitter right now, and especially, I think, Doug, in a world where I think it was in a couple months ago, I think it was in June, Facebook announced that they're running out of space to put ads. (laughs) You know, look at Twitter as an alternative. There's 350 million active users there. It's part of the fabric of their lives. So take a look at my book, break through some of these mythical mindsets of Twitter and see what's really going on there. How are people really using it and how might we use it for our own personal growth and our business progress? And with people thinking that it's passe or it's not, you know, they don't get it or they think it's stupid, that's a big opportunity because your competition may be thinking the same thing. And just go to the advanced search section and poke around. And if you're not hooked, then then don't use Twitter. But but and 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 you got to be smart about it. I mean, I, I I'm a realist, and I know Twitter isn't for everybody. It's not for every business, and not every audience is there. But there are also huge untapped opportunities there. And that's what really excites me. Great. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Well, we talked about, uh, you know, Neil Schaefer has a new book coming out on influence marketing. I really respect Neil. I'm excited to see that book. You know, I've got a stack of books here (laughs) that I haven't read yet. I've been, this is the busiest time of year for me. So I'm in like speaking, consulting, and content creation mode. So I'm way, way behind on some of the books that I that I need to read. But one that's probably next for me is there's a there's a new book out called Peter Drucker on Consulting. And it's a it's a collection of some of his writings and essays over the years. Well, he's probably the greatest consultant in the history of the world. <laughs> and I mean, there's not there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear his voice in my head. Like, like you mentioned, I, I studied under Peter Drucker for three years when I was in graduate school at uh, the Claremont Graduate University. And, you know, he was at the end of his career. You know, he was in probably, he was probably in his 70s at that point. And I mean, he changed my life. And so that's going to be a book I'm excited to read. I'm definitely going to look for that. That looks really interesting. I, You know, it's funny how you could read like The Effective Executive or, or some of his works, and he mm-hmm. he was just so prescient. Oh, well, one book I refer to, Doug, constantly, which I highly recommend to your readers, is a book he wrote in 1984 called Entrepreneurship and Innovation. And he basically predicted the gig economy. And that book is just as fresh and relevant today as it was back then, maybe even more so. And it provides a framework for internalizing innovation into your life and into a company's, though just into their DNA. And you just look at that book, and it is such a brilliant work. And it's a lesser-known work for, from, from his portfolio of books, but it's, it's probably my favorite and it's it's a book I ever I, I read every couple of years just because it's just it's just so amazing. Yeah, that's great. So, Mark, how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? 
Very easy. You can learn everything about me at businessesgrow.com. You can find my blog, the uh, Marketing Companion Podcast I do with Tom Webster. You can see my books and, and lots of resources, really, there for businesses of every size. And we've already told the listener your Twitter account. And I just should add that when you and Tom Webster, I've listened to every episode of The Marketing Companion, one of my very favorite podcasts. And when you all hit the 100th episode, I was so honored that you plucked me out of the audience to interview you. The you. Man. <laughs> and that was that was great fun, and I really appreciate you editing out my jokes that weren't quite as funny as the ones that, that, that did end up in the interview. So the name of the book is The Tao of Twitter, Changing Your Life and Business One Connection at a Time. The author is Mark Schaefer. Mark, thank you very much for coming back onto the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much, Doug. And that closes the book on episode 150 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback on or suggestions to improve the show, or perhaps I can make a book recommendation for you, or you want to send me a celebratory bottle of single malt scotch, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or tweet at me. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. And please join us next time as we welcome Bob Hoffman, also known as the Ad Contrarian, back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his newest book, Bad Men, how advertising went from a minor annoyance to a major menace. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Today, we welcome Mark Schaefer back to the Marketing Book Podcast for the fourth time to talk about his revised and expanded fourth edition of the Tao of Twitter. Mark, am I saying that right, Tao? Yeah, well, I'll tell you something funny, Doug. I'm working on the audio book. <laughs> I started recording this thing. I said, how do I pronounce my own book? <laughs> okay. And the reason oh. there's a question about it is the correct pronunciation of the Chinese word is Tao. Right. But the way most people say it is Tao. And of, so, and of course, that kind of lends itself to an interesting alliteration in the title, Tao of Twitter. And so I, I actually, before I even started narrating the book, I said, well, hey, everybody, this is Mark Schaefer. I'm the author of the book. And, you know, I'm going to explain to you why I pronounce the book a certain way. <laughs> and I decided to, to pronounce it throughout the book as Tao. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.